everyone. Welcome to episode 45 of the True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. So today we have a interesting story for you all the way from England. And we wanted to try and branch out a little bit, not just do American crimes, because we've been seeing our listenership grow all around the world and it's pretty exciting. So it would be great if we could cover a case from each of the countries that are on our top 10 list. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to take a trip across the pond. Yes. So before we get started, we just want to take a second to thank everybody who either told a friend or family member about the podcast or anyone who left a good review on iTunes. We really appreciate the feedback and we are, as always, looking to just make this podcast better and better for our listeners. And if you're interested, you can follow us on social media platforms like Twitter and Instagram at True Crime Couple. Okay. So without any further ado, let's get into the story. Today's case is going to read like a mystery thriller novel ripped from the bestsellers list. An affluent family from the suburbs of London is going to hire a nanny from France to take care of their two young children. But who do they let into their lives? Is she the devious and deceitful girl the family makes her out to be? Or is there something more sinister happening in the Wimbledon flat? In this story of twists and turns, we are going to uncover a plot full of psychosis, affairs, torture, and a celebrity pedophile ring. Join us as we discuss the true story of a Machiavellian plan gone terribly, terribly wrong. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Our story begins with the households of Yusuf Madoni and Sabrina Colder. The couple met in 2000, when Sabrina was working at a candy stand at a street fair. When Yusuf, five years the girl's senior, saw her and fell instantly in love. Sabrina was exotically beautiful. After talking with her, he found out that she, just like him, was born in Algeria, but their families later moved to France. However, as it sometimes happens, Sabrina was just not as into Yusum as he was into her. The older man persisted. He told Sabrina that she loved him and that he would follow her anywhere. And that is exactly what he did. Years into their on-again, off-again romance, Yusum followed Sabrina to London, where she had just landed a job as an au pair, which, which is a nanny. Um, John didn't know that, so it's out there for any listeners who don't know. I'm not ashamed that I didn't know. It's not every day that you are, you know, brought up with that. That's true. So. We, <laughs> we are nowhere near no. that kind of rich. But while she was working for a wealthy family... Yusum worked to earn his degree in economics. Eventually, he would become really wealthy while working for a French bank who had branches in England. 
However, even though he was successful, this was never enough for Sabrina, who now had dreams of fame. Around 2004, her au pair job came to an end, and the 22-year-old girl began pursuing her dreams of becoming a makeup artist and stylist to the rich and famous. Wiesem wanted to marry her and to start a family, but Sabrina was more interested in London's social scene than being his wife. And then something strange would happen in 2008. Nothing would change, but everything would change. Yusum and Sabrina become pregnant and enter into a marriage. Now holding a traditional marriage certificate. It was um, actually a Muslim marriage certificate. However, this marriage was not honored in public. When introduced to those on the social scene in London, Wiesam is introduced to others as either a relative or a friend. Even after the birth of their son, Sabrina continues to date other men. Wow, that's um, that's a, pretty odd. It is a really interesting dynamic of the relationship they have. It seems like he is just dedicated to doing anything that will keep him in her favor. Like, he's just completely infatuated with her, and she can do no wrong. And I guess he's thinking in his head, she's young, I'm going to let her get through her wild streak, and then at the end she'll come back. Which is very unhealthy, but his yeah, thought process. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is his thought process, but it also shows the dedication that he has towards her, too. Like, I mean, that's not a lot of guys are going to do that. I mean, I don't know no. one guy that's going to let this fly. Yeah, I can't say I know anyone in my life that would be like, okay. Yeah, and you know what? Actually, same thing goes like flip-flop. I mean, I don't know any woman that would allow that either. So, I mean, I think it's just it's just a very rare set of circumstances. Oh, yeah, it's extremely rare. Well, it's like, I guess they kind of accepted the fact that they were in an open relationship. But like they say, when there are those kind of relationships, it's often in more cases than not, there's one person who's a little bit more dedicated and isn't in an open relationship, whereas the other one usually is. Yeah, I can see that. So I think that's happening with him and Sabrina here, that she's the one who's out dating, trying to move herself up the social ladder, and he's just kind of there financing it all. What a life. Yeah, that, that sucks. One of those other men is the famed Irish music producer, Mark Walton. When Sabrina meets Walton, she felt like all the stars aligned for her. Not only was this man rich and handsome, but he could open doors for her in the social scene. The couple dated for two years, and in that time, Sabrina had gotten pregnant. The relationship did not end on good terms leaving Sabrina alone to give birth to their son. Sabrina was very bitter about the ending of her relationship with Walton, but Wiesem was there to pick up the pieces, as he always is, when Sabrina's relationships go awry, and this time Sabrina is going to agree to enter fully into a relationship with him. However, she doesn't admit that they're married. The couple, now with their two children, are going to be able to afford to move into what is a $1.2 million or 930,000 pound detached flat in the Wimbledon area of South London. As Wiesem was now a very wealthy investment banker, and Sabrina was just on the edge of breaking into the mainstream as a talented stylist and makeup artist, the couple realized that they would need a nanny to take care of the children and the house as Sabrina did not want to cook or clean. Around January of 2016, the couple placed an ad in the newspaper for an au pair. They very specifically stated that they wanted someone from France, as they were speaking to their children in French as well as in English, 
and they wanted someone who would help them keep up the French traditions. It was 20-year-old Sophie Lyonnais that would answer the ad for the rich 35- and 40-year-old couple in London at the suggestion of a friend. Sophie is known as a lovable and sweet girl from Troyes, France. She was quiet and very kind. Her mother said that she would never hurt a fly. Her father is a gardener, and Sophie grew up tending to things and watching them grow. And this is why she chose the same for her profession. She chose to get her child protection certification, which would allow her to become an au pair. By the end of 2015, she was having trouble finding work in France. Knowing this, a friend showed her the ad for an au pair needed in London. Sophie immediately took to the idea. She was excited for all the new opportunities that this would bring her. This situation was really going to help her perfect her English, which was something she really wanted to do. When she said goodbye to her parents, they remember how happy she was to make money and to change her life. The provincial girl from a small village who grew up in a household where money was limited was now going to be thrust into London society scene. It will be 14 months later that the world would learn the outcome of Sophie's arrival to the expensive London home. On September 20th, 2017, a neighbor of Wieslam and Sabrina called the fire department around 3 p.m. as she noticed large clouds of smoke billowing from the couple's yard. She really didn't like to get involved in other people's business, but the two homes shared a retaining wall and the smoke appeared to be very close. This also didn't seem like a normal fire. It smelled terrible, like something awful was burning. She also made sure to tell them that the family that lived in the residence had two small children, so they should hurry. When the firefighters arrived, they were greeted at the door by Wiesam. He told the men from the fire department that he was home alone and he was just having a small barbecue. But the men could see the smoke and smell that the women had reported, and they asked to take a look at the backyard. When they walked through the expensively decorated house and out into the backyard, they did see that the man was barbecuing chicken on a small charcoal grill. But next to the retaining wall, they saw a larger fire that was putting on a strong blaze. So the men explained to him that they would need to put out the fire. And in what the firefighters later reflected as was a look of resolve, he shook his head in understanding. Once they put out the flames, the men saw the charred remains of a human body, which was charred on one side, but otherwise completely intact. The men recalled that as they were putting out the flames, they first noticed that it was a human when they saw a nose and two fingers. As some worked to put out the blaze, not knowing what was happening, another man ran up to Wiesam, the man who first saw the fingers and the nose, and asked him why he was burning a body. And when he didn't respond, the firefighters are going to immediately call police. Do you imagine? I can't imagine that. So think about this, just for one second. You're grilling outside chicken, and you have a burning body next to you. Fantastic. I don't know how the fuck you could even eat no, I knowing don't. that. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm just saying, that that right there, that's, that's strike one. Strike two is... Why would you do it? Wait, ruining chicken? That's strike one? 
Or the burning of a body. Well, the burning of a body would be one. Two would be ruining the chicken because you're definitely not going to eat. The normal person wouldn't eat after yeah. smelling that. <laughs> and then, the uh, last but not least, why would you burn the body in such close proximity to someone else that you know they're going to call the fire department? Yeah, I think this was all around a super bad decision. The first one was, I think they were cooking the chicken because they thought it would mask the smell of a burning body. Chicken doesn't smell that bad. No, it doesn't. And the... So I actually Googled what a burning body smells like. No, you didn't. Yeah, I hope no one ever looks at my Google history. It's really weird. Um, But it is explained as like a burning pork smell. So he's going to say that it's lamb that he was cooking. So like I guess that was his way of trying to like hide what it was. But it gives, gives off like a charcoal kind of smell. Which I'm assuming this man also Googled the same thing I did because in cooking with a charcoal grill, that kind of, the smell is similar. I don't know. But you do live in a detached home. So someone, you're you're basically in an apartment burning a body in your backyard. Yeah. That'd be like us going out into our courtyard and burning a body. Right, that's my point. That someone is going to call police. You don't think one of our like weird neighbors are going to call up and be like, hey, They would know already that we murdered somebody. They watch everybody so much. Oh, yeah. Totally. But that's what I'm saying is like everyone was in such close proximity that it was just such a, it's almost like, did you want to get caught burning a body in your backyard? <laughs> and I'm, I am sorry for the chicken. You're right. I never yeah, even yeah, thought of that. I mean, I mean the chicken, that's, that's important. So when the police arrive at the scene, they immediately arrest Wiesum and they begin questioning him. He maintained that. They were just burning the body of a lamb to make food, and that was it. After the story was told, he said that he would say no more and needed to see a lawyer. So he's basically going to maintain that it was a lamb, like the full body of a lamb. So Sabrina, his wife but not wife person, is notified by police that her husband has been arrested, but she is going to feign ignorance, pretending to be shocked by this disturbing news. She tells investigators at the New Scotland Yard that she had left the house hours ago to take her children to the park. And when she left, everything was okay. So she couldn't possibly know what went wrong in between that time. Police thought that this was interesting because the couple was reported to have a nanny. So what is Sabrina doing taking the children to the park alone? Sabrina is then going to say that the nanny no longer lives with them, that Sophie actually had left two days prior. As investigators are questioning Sabrina and Wiesum in separate rooms, investigators have taken the belongings found in the fire and were showing them to neighbors, asking maybe if they knew who they belonged to. It was confirmed by several members of the suburb that the items they were holding, the glasses and the bracelets, belonged to Sophie the au pair of the couple. After the identity of the young girl is confirmed, the investigators at the New Scotland Yard are going to reach out to their French counterparts so they could inform the parents of the young girl what had happened to their daughter. Based on the location of the crime scene, they knew that this was going to be a high-profile case, and that meant the media would be on top of it. The last thing they wanted was for Sophie's parents to find out through the media what had happened to their daughter before they could, which is a nice move because that would be a horrible way to find out that your daughter had passed away. Not just 
that she was dead, but that her body was being desecrated. Right. Around 4.30 a.m., the divorced parents both received visits from the police in their separate homes. They were gently told what happened to their daughter. Both were in utter shock. Sophie's father responded in silence and her mother in deafening wails that only stopped once her voice grew too hoarse to continue. As one mother mourns in France, another in England is now fully denying any participation in the crime whatsoever. She maintains that everything was fine in the house when she left that day. If anything happened, it must have been her husband. Investigators asked Sabrina to start from the beginning. They wanted to know everything they could about Sophie. What Sabrina told investigators is going to completely differ from what her friends and family will be saying about her in France. Sabrina says that at first things with Sophie were great, but she had done a photo shoot with the girl, and after that, things were just never the same. She had made over the meek and quiet little girl, smoothing out her unruly curls and expertly applying her makeup. And she looked beautiful. And we know this is true because Sophie did post this photo shoot up on her Facebook account. And all of the pictures that we see of Sophie before she comes to England are that of a girl who who's very quiet. I don't know how to explain it. Reserved. Yeah, very reserved. But then this photo shoot was just like completely different. It's more of like something Sabrina would do versus what Sophie would do. So after this photo shoot, Sabrina claims that she became another person, meaning Sophie. She got very comfortable with the family. She said that the 20-year-old girl acted like a princess, like housework and cooking was beneath her. She sat on the couch every day and made her employers wait on her. Sabrina said Sophie never took care of the children and was at the point of abusing the goodwill that the couple was showing her. Sabrina went on to say that she also believed Sophie was stealing from her, especially after she started going out on the weekends, drinking and partying. But even though what she was describing was bad, she told investigators that that wasn't the worst of it. Sophie committed the ultimate act of betrayal by seeking out Sabrina's ex-boyfriend and father of her youngest child, Mark Walton, on Facebook. Once she found him, she seduced him, and the two were involved in a relationship. Sabrina told investigators that this is the worst thing that could have happened, because her ex was a bad guy. He was into weird things when they were in a relationship, and this is partly the reason they broke up, because Sabrina did not want to participate in his strange sexual behavior. She told investigators Mark was involved in a pedophile ring, that was protected, as most of its members were rich and influential people. She accused Sophie of now being involved. Sabrina says that Sophie was convinced by her ex to bring their son around, and that when she did, Mark sexually assaulted the four-year-old boy, as Sophie was present in the room. Sabrina could tell that the investigators were not taking her seriously, so she begged them to listen to her. I have evidence, she said and she showed them a signed document, which would later be confirmed to have been written by Sophie, by both her family and writing analysis experts. The letter read, Mark Walton asked me to come and see him. 
He started to touch my breasts and he kissed me on the neck. Mark offered me some money and he asked me to come back with Sabrina's youngest child. The letter then explains the abuse, but that part was not released as the graphic detail um, included was very disturbing. And the letter was signed by Sophie Linnae. I just think it's odd because that's such a crazy claim to say, you know? I mean, I know that, like, her signature's on it, but I don't know. Yeah, this kind of makes everything, like, so much more of a mystery because this is an outrageous claim that not only was Sophie the worst nanny of all time, but that she didn't care about the kids and actually put the kids in harm's way by bringing them, well, bringing the youngest child into a pedophile ring, which is this crazy elaborate thing that she's now saying a lot of famous and influential people are involved right. in. Right, I mean, this is, these are egregious claims. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, on all of high society or whatever, you know, the rich and the famous, and then the net, like, the au pair, you know, like, no au pair, yeah. no au pair's gonna do this stuff. I mean, this is their career as well. Like, I mean, unless they don't care. Well, I think what <laughs> Sabrina's trying to say was that that was the power of Mark Walton her ex on Sophie that she he had convinced Sophie to do this because not only was he seducing her but he offered her money. Right. No, I so, get that. So that's like the claim that's going down yeah, these right are now. Lots of claims that I just think are absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um it's also um I find the wording interesting too like Sabrina's youngest child. Like wouldn't you say his youngest child? It's interesting. Yeah, the, we'll, the we'll get back is into weird. that. Yeah. So now investigators were taking this claim seriously as they were working to get in touch with Sabrina's ex, Mark Walton. They decided to bring this information to Weesom and see what he had to say. And this is when the man breaks down. He admits that everything Sabrina is saying is the truth, but she was not involved in the murder. He said that on the night of September 18th, two days before the body was burning in the backyard, Sophie had admitted what took place, but her attitude about it and the fact that she didn't feel sorry made him very angry, and he struck her. When he hit her in the face, she fell to the ground, and her head smacked against the tile of the floor. When he went down to check on her, she was already dead. That's one, that's really a hard slap then, I guess, huh? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you hit your head the right way, but, like, the force of falling would have to be tremendous in order to... Oh, yeah, to cause any type a death of... death blow. Yeah, exactly. So this is when he went to wake up Sabrina and tell her what he had done. She panicked, and they both decided that they needed to protect their family. They would get rid of the body so their secrets wouldn't be revealed. This is when they made the choice... To burn the body. Okay, let's take a break, a pause here, and let's hear from our sponsors from Wix.com. I think we need a break from that. Oh, yeah. It's getting intense. Totally. Are you looking to create a website? Starting a web page of your own can really bring your business or your interests to a higher level. I have been using the Wix web page editors to create professional websites for years. It started when I first became a teacher and I needed a way for my students to know what we were doing in class and a way to get the materials I had ready for them. When I went to Wix, I was able to follow through on my idea and so much more. 
I was able to let the students blog and respond to posts, as well as take surveys. It was all so wonderful, and after seven years, I'm still using it in my classroom. And this is why when we started the podcast, the first thing I thought of was Wix. The drag-and-drop website builder is so easy to use, so changing and fixing things is a breeze. The site also has artificial design intelligence that allows you to create a stunning website in just a few minutes. With Wix's over 500 stunning templates, finding the design that is right for you will be quick and easy. If it's a business you're trying to promote, you will love the site's built-in CEO tools that will allow you to get found online by search engines like Google and Bing. Another feature I love is that Wix allows you to edit the design of your web page from what it will look like on a desktop page and what it'll look like on a mobile device. If you're looking to increase your productivity and create a website for your job, brand, or personal life, Wix.com is the way to go. Our listeners even get a great deal. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash podcast to get 10% off. Again, that's Wix.com slash podcast to get 10% off today. Okay, let's get back into this murder. So the story that was being spun by the murderer and accomplice was outrageous. But in this modern age, outrageous plots like this, they do exist. If it were true, police knew that the evidence would back up the couple. And that is what investigators wanted to rely on. The pressure continued to mount as the media gripped fully onto this case. It made headlines both in the UK and in France. And everyone in both countries was now asking just what happened in that house of the rich couple. Even the president of France is going to respond to the case by sending a letter of apology and condolence to Sophie's family. As everyone is asking questions, the investigation continues. An autopsy completed on the young girl's body is going to tell a story that doesn't quite match the one that Wiesel and Sabrina are telling. It was revealed that Sophie had passed away before she was burned in the backyard. Okay, so that part of their story is true. She had multiple fractures to her jaw, legs, and her sternum. She also had two broken ribs. So it really contradicts their story because the autopsy is saying that the girl was beaten to death. Yeah, like this isn't just, you know excuse the way I say it, you know, but, like, this isn't a backhand or, like, a frontal palm um, and then, you know, get hit to the ground and hit your head. I mean, this is like someone's getting bludgeoned in, in their body, their head, you know, that's where... Their legs, their two legs, broken like, ribs. You're pretty much beating someone down until they're dead. Right, and another thing that we want to mention because the medical examiner does speak about it, but to have a fractured sternum, that takes a lot of force because the sternum is naturally flexible, so it does take a lot to fracture it. So the fact that her sternum is fractured means that she did not just suffer from a fall. Yeah, it's true. Trust me, I had a friend that actually fractured his sternum, and it was probably the most painful thing he said he ever went through. So, yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, when you look at her injuries, you know that she suffered a very painful death. 
from the fractured sternum, she probably felt like she couldn't breathe, having two broken ribs, and a, a jaw fractured in three places, and a fractured leg. Yeah. I mean, if you think about that it... That was bad death. It's like every time you breathe, that's going to affect you completely. Like, I mean, it's a serious injury. Yeah. Even just one of those things would be unbearable. So something, of course, was off about this couple, and investigators wanted to know just what it was. They began to question the couple's friends to find out more about them. And they learned that Weesom was known to act like a gentleman, and he was kind and smart. But around Sabrina, he was a completely different man. He became quiet and agreed with everything she said. So it seems like it's really clear that Sabrina is the one that wore the pants in the relationship. And obviously that's true because us as outsiders know the beginning of their relationship, whereas I'm sure their friends in London didn't truly know that really at this point, if he's 40 years old, he has been pursuing this this woman at this point, uh, it's 2017, for 17 years. Right. He he's, has been after her. He has been uh, her puppet. Her dog, right. so to speak. Yeah, basically. Um, he was forever locked in the friend zone, and he finally sees his way of getting out of it. Yeah. So he's going to fall in line with anything she wants. I like that. From him. I like that, by the way. Yeah. Friend zone? <laughs> it's not a good place to be. No, because once you go there, there's no coming out. Well, Weesom is trying really hard. When the friends describe Sabrina, they explain her as having a really strong personality. Kind of like a femme fatale kind of characteristics is what she has. She made sure everyone knew she was in the room. And she was also very beautiful. They go on to say that she is often mistaken for Kim Kardashian. And the two do have like really similar looks. Especially because she is a makeup artist. So it's she does have an uncanny resemblance to the celebrity. And I'm sure she played that up because she really does like being on the social scene. So it, when people on the streets would ask her for her picture and autograph, she would never stop them. Like, she would post her pictures with them. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a wannabe. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> strange. I don't think I would do that. Everyone said that she would do whatever it took to become rich and famous. A jet setter. That was her goal. And she really was ruthless in pursuing that goal. Right. It seemed like she really didn't care who she stepped on, uh, who she hurt, or anything like that, as long as she got her, her ultimate goal, right? Right. From from her friends that come out and speak about her afterwards, you can kind of tell that the friendships that she made were businesslike and they weren't truly genuine. They were probably more superficial than anything else. Exactly. Yeah. So their friends even admitted to knowing Sophie. They said that she was a great au pair. One man who was friends with Sabrina, um, a fashion photographer stated that Sophie was always with the children. She was very attentive, and whenever the kids were upset, she would always make sure that it wasn't interfering with any of the parties Sabrina was throwing or any conversations she was having when friends were over. Sophie always made sure that the kids were contained, well-behaved, so Sabrina could go on, like, throwing her parties. I mean, that would be nice to have. I'm sure there's hundreds and thousands of people here, either here in America or anywhere else that would love that. No, it is. I'm sure it's really <laughs> nice to have a nanny. But also at the same time, like, you kind of miss out on those moments with your children. When I 
worked at the daycare center. Like we weren't really supposed to babysit. Like it went against the insurance policy, but we still did. But I went with the family on vacation. And I just remember thinking like, this is so weird because I'm enjoying the vacation with the kids, but the adults are like, like they just had nothing to do with their children's fun. Right. It's kind of weird. I'm sure some people really like that. But then it's like your kids are young and they're like having a good time. Don't you want to be a part of those memories? Or like have pictures together. It's kind of sad. I'm sure there's like this fine line where like if they do have a nanny, you know, they still try to find time to be a parent. Yeah. So we can't judge them there, but. Can't judge them there, but I think that Sabrina was more into making it an illusion of her motherhood versus the reality of what Sophie was truly doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. So neighbors are also going to tell a similar story. They said that Sophie was always working. They saw her at the park with the kids and at the grocery store. They painted a picture of a girl overworked. They said that Sophie was always working, even on her days off. She was asked to watch the kids while the couple went out or to take them to church on Sunday morning. The girl worked around the clock. To those who saw her interact with Sabrina, they said that it was clear through Sophie's body language that she was scared of her employer. After questioning the parents of Sophie, they learned that the girl had not come home in the 14 months that she had worked for the family, not for Christmas and not for her 21st birthday. Her parents did not think anything of this because when they spoke to their daughter on the phone, she said that she was doing well. Her mother even talked on the phone with Sabrina and the woman assured her that everything was fine and that they were having a great time. She felt like the two were sisters. One friend in particular, his name is Michael, he was talking about going into business with the couple. Um, They were going to own a restaurant because Michael already owns restaurants and he was going to open one with Wiesam and uh, Sabrina. But Michael often saw Sophie as he was always in their home talking business. He said that one day Sophie approached him while they were alone. She had tears in her eyes and red marks on her neck and chest. She confessed to Michael that Sabrina had beat her. And when he asked her why, she said it was because she had put the butter away wrong in the refrigerator. And when Sabrina went to go open the door, it dropped to the floor. Michael was very concerned by this. He told the girl as quickly as he could that he could arrange to have an apartment ready for her, and she could earn money so she could go back home. She told him that she couldn't, Sabrina hadn't even opened a British banking account like she said she would do for the girl. She had stopped being paid. Michael was concerned for the girl, but he's going to admit that that was the last time he ever heard from her. So now, not only is she working 24 hours a day, but she's not being paid. That's crazy. And beaten. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy, but then we also have to try to take a look into what what life must have been like for her, because... For one, she's in another country, and she's not used to be used to being in another country. Number two, she's right. she's twenty one years old at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in twenty. You know, I was twenty one not that long. Well, long, well, all right, all right, a good while away now. But you get my point. Like at twenty one, I was still learning so much. So I can oh, just no, imagine. I, I would be lo- especially because we did hear that. Sophie's English wasn't the best, so that's scary to be in a country. Right, you're in you're in a different country. You don't speak the the language perfectly. 
and you're 21 years old, and you're also not getting paid, so there's no way for you to afford a way out. It's almost yeah. like you're trapped. It's almost like you're a prisoner we without, are, without bars, you know? Right. We are also going to learn later that Sabrina is actually holding the passport of Sophie, so she feels really kind of lost at this moment. Yeah. And when she goes to Michael, that was her cry for help, but... What's frustrating to me is that, yes, in interviews, Michael seems upset by the fact that he didn't do anything, but, like, she came to you six weeks before her death. In six weeks, you didn't think to check back or be like, I haven't seen her. Do you know what I'm saying? I think it just goes to, well, I guess I could chalk it up to this because, think about it, he's a chef, yeah, he owns restaurants, Busy guy. Also, he probably just doesn't want to... I bet Gordon Ramsay would have done something. Well, he probably would have. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, maybe it's just because the guy was busy with his own things. You know, maybe he also felt a little strange. didn't want to get involved. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It's like a rich couple, you know, maybe just like they go about things a little differently. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's strange to me that he didn't say anything, but then... As we go on, a lot of people could have said something and they didn't. Right. So, so it's not just him. Right. At least he offered her a way out at that time. Yeah, and I think maybe her reluctance to kind of act on that help is kind of what held him back and made him not want to say anything. It's possible. Yeah, it makes sense. So now it's finally time to interview Mark Walton. The billionaire music producer known for Boyzone, Bewitched, and working with artists like Jennifer Lopez, was eager to give everything he had over to police. His phones, his credit card statements, and his passport. It was very hard to believe that a man that was involved in a pedophile ring, or a man that had anything to hide, would be willing to do all of this. After looking through his statements and his passport, it was clear that Mark, in 2016, had only been living between two places. Los Angeles and Vietnam, where he was the judge on a popular, like, pop singing show. He was actually really popular in Vietnam at this time. So... And of all places, that's that's so funny, you know, just to be in Vietnam on a game show as a judge. So he... I mean, he had some pretty strong alibis. He, in fact, um, the entire time that Sophie was living with Sabrina, he had not stepped foot in London. Walton tells investigators that he is not shocked to hear about the allegations, but he is surprised that someone died. Police asked him to explain what his relationship with Sabrina was like. He said that everything started off really well. They had a chance encounter at a bank in Notting Hill, and they fell instantly in love with each other. He said, though, that the honeymoon phase of their relationship was very short-lived. When he met her, she was gorgeous and sweet. She spoke softly and quietly in a French accent. However, as time went on, she became jealous and extremely controlling. She demanded that Walton bring her to every event, as her main goal was to be around famous people, and he supported her 100% financially. She was paranoid that he was having affairs. And on one occasion, she got into a physical altercation by pulling a woman's hair who she thought he was looking at. When she got angry, she would scream and she would yell no matter where they were. And he couldn't be having these scenes in public because he is a known celebrity. It all became too much for Walton. 
and he decided to end the two-year relationship with Sabrina. Now, here's what I'm saying. They were still together for two years, so she has to have some type of, like, magnetism that these men are drawn to her. It's that exoticness that everyone keeps mentioning, whether she looks like Kim Kardashian or whatever. No, she's gorgeous. She's very beautiful. I mean, but she has this dark side, but she must also be... Charming? Really charming to pull this off. So, of course, Sabrina did not take the breakup with Walton well, especially because she was pregnant at the time. It was clear that Sabrina had taken Walton leaving as a betrayal, and she was not going to stand for it. And as a show of good faith, Walton continued to pay for Sabrina's living situation on top of the child support that he was paying. However, as time went on, he began to fear for the safety of his child. And this caused him to start the pursuit of custody, which was met with threats and outrageous claims. Sabrina began to harass Walton on a daily basis. It was clear that she wanted revenge, as he was dating other people. Walton stated that once Sabrina became unhinged, there was no undoing it. Sabrina began telling anyone who would listen that Walton would sleep regularly, that Walton would sleep with male prostitutes all the time, that he sexually abused the cat the couple shared, and that he was part of a pedophile ring that used black magic in their rituals involving children. She said that Walton was watching her, He hired a helicopter to follow her and put black magic spells on her. But in reality, it was Sabrina who was watching Walton, as after the couple broke up, he found hidden cameras all around his flat. No way. Yes way. She was watching everything he was doing. Until he found the cameras and disconnected them. What? Yes. Okay, that is sick. That's crazy. I mean, that's... She's she's crazy town. She's nuts. She's crazy city. She's like fatal attraction on black magic. That's scary. (laughs) I think she's the one practicing black magic. I wouldn't doubt it. She has voodoo dolls of him everywhere. (laughs) Probably. So even after Sabrina is going to return to Wiesam in 2014, the threats continued. It was almost like the couple made Mark Walton their fascination. Because if Sabrina is so angry with him and is out for him, then it's in Weesom's best interest to get on that train because that's going to make her happy with him. Right, but we have, but we can't say the both of them were entrenched in like knowing everything about Walton. It's really Sabrina. Well, no, Weesom is going to get on this train full force. He is... Right, Sabrina's the conductor, Sabrina. but he's like shoveling coal into it. No, I get it, but Sabrina's definitely the oh, one. Oh, yeah, she's the one yeah. controlling it. The couple actually made a false Facebook profile that was used only to comment on the fact that Mark Walton was a pedophile. And after this, police had to caution the couple to stay away from Walton. They also said the couple had to stop making false claims against him. And it's at this point that the couple chooses to move to the Wimbledon Park Road house in which the murder took place. But even when she moved into this home, the man who sold newspapers down the street spoke of her delusions. One day, Sabrina came up to him and showed him a picture of Walton and said that if he ever saw this man, that he should tell her right away because he would be looking for her. So she thought that Walton was after her. It's like, did she really think this? Was she delusional or 
was she just trying to build a case against this man? Like, is she really being that conniving? I don't think this guy, Mark, uh, Mark Walton, had anything to do with anything at all. Like, I don't think... I think it's all within Severina's mind. No, I think that too. But I'm saying, does she truly think that he's after her? Or is she trying to make a claim against him? I think it started with a claim against him. And then then over time in her mind, it became a fascination. I get that. So, so far in the investigation, it was clear that the story Sabrina and Wiesam were telling was not true. Everyone was saying the same thing. Sophie was being held captive, and they hadn't remembered seeing her in the weeks before her murder. So, so why? What was the motivation of the couple to treat a girl like a slave? Through analyzation of the couple's phones, the investigators found everything they needed. The truth was almost as unbelievable as the lies Sabrina was trying to spin. They found a photo that was taken only a few days before the murder. The girl in the photograph was unrecognizable. Sophie sits on a couch. She is emaciated, looking barely alive and like a skeleton. She is staring off into the distance with sallow and sunken eyes. Only a shadow of the girl that she was when she left her family in France. It was clear by that photo that Sophie had been denied food for quite some time. She, in this, it's a very disturbing picture. Yeah, because you can tell that there's a major difference in the way she looks. Yeah. It, she, for sure. She looks like a famine survivor. She looks sickly. She looks like skin and bones. Yeah. And you can tell in her face that she's not getting the nutrition or the sun or she's being held captive. No, it definitely does. It's it's pretty pretty disturbing. It's very disturbing. Yeah. It doesn't look like the same girl. No, like when you do like a side-by-side comparison, you're kind of like, wow. It's really sad. What happened here, you know? Mm Because there's no way that could happen any other way except being starved. And it would have to take a long period of time. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, like a day or two. We're talking weeks, possibly months. So also on the phone were eight hours of interrogations that spanned over a six-week time period. The couple was trying to make Sophie confess that she was having an affair with Mark Walton, and that she had brought the youngest child to him, and together they molested the four-year-old boy. Through listening to the dialogue on the recordings, it was clear that Sabrina and Wiesam were trying to get Sophie to admit that Walton had seduced Sophie and was paying her to drug Wiesam so she could sneak Walton into the home and he could sexually abuse his son there. So they're claiming that Walton even snuck into the home while they were drugged. I mean, that, these super are... Super bizarre. These are wild accusations. Yeah, they make they no are. sense. It's almost like the satanic panic, like, yes. happening all over again in 2017 in London. The couple had began starving Sophie as part of the torture that they were subjecting her to. During the videos, they were screaming at her to confess. To confess telling her that she had ruined her life and she might as well get it over with now. She was beaten and her head was repeatedly held underwater for long periods of time in order to extract this confession out of her. They played with her like she was an object. They said horrible, vile things to her and the whole time Sophie said no, that she would never do that or that she had no idea what they were talking about. But the torture continued 
You made a huge mistake, Sophie, they said in one tape. You delivered a four-year-old child into the hands of a pedophile. Mark paid you, Sophie. I have evidence. You cannot go home without telling us everything. At this point, Sophie was even forced to sleep in a bunk bed in the children's room. She was never allowed to leave the house. After seeing these videos, investigators no longer bought anything Sabrina was saying. They also didn't believe the claim that she was sleeping during the time of the murders. Sabrina was definitely involved. The children were the only other witnesses to this crime, and interviews with them was something that had to happen. After calling in a child psychologist, the police sat down with the oldest child of the disturbed couple and asked him if he remembered anything about his au pair. He says that the night of the murder, he was awakened by screams. He walked out of his room and stood by the bathroom door. He heard his mother and father yelling, and he heard Sophie screaming and crying. He also said that he heard a lot of splashing, and at one point, water even came out from underneath the bathroom door. He said the next day, his au pair was not there, and when he asked where Sophie was, his mother said that she left, and she seemed, for the first time in a very long time, happy and calm. What happened that night will be surmised by the prosecution in the subsequent trial. Sophie was tortured that night, just as she had been for the past six weeks. But this night was different. She had had enough. She was exhausted and starving. She told them that she would do whatever they wanted and that it was then that she wrote the note that Sabrina would eventually give to the police. But what Sophie didn't know was that when she signed that letter, she had signed her death warrant. Now that the couple had what they wanted, they couldn't leave Sophie alive. It would ruin their plan. She was skin and bones and had been repeatedly tortured. The decision was made to kill her. And this is when the couple beat her to death. They had what they wanted from Sophie, and they were going forward with their plan. They were going to use Sophie's confession to blackmail Mark Walton. They wanted money from the billionaire. They wanted him to pay for slighting Sabrina. But the plan didn't work. And although the couple didn't get the money they wanted, Sabrina would get her fame just not in the way that she intended to. Three months after Sophie's body was found in the couple's backyard, the trial began. The married couple stood trial for murder and the destruction of a body. In the trial, it is revealed that the couple kept Sophie's body in a suitcase beneath the children's bed for two days before they decide to burn it. While the body was there, Surveillance video shows that the couple went about their everyday activities. Sabrina went to the grocery store, and Wiesam was seen walking the children to school. When they chose to burn the body, Sabrina agreed that she wouldn't be home, and Wiesam made a feeble attempt at covering up the smell of the burning body with the barbecued chicken. During the trial, the couple began to blame each other for the death of Sophie. It seems like um, her spell was kind of gone after... Wiesam was facing a lot of jail time there. 
Sabrina went as far to say that Weesom forced her to have sex near the body of the 21-year-old girl as she lay lifeless on the floor in the bathroom. We still don't know whether or not that's true. I think that's another, like, outrageous claim by Sabrina to try and make herself seem like a victim. Well, that's what she's been doing this whole time. This is nothing new. Although they changed their story of how the girl was killed, they did both admit that they agreed to get rid of the body together. When commenting on the case before sentencing, the judge is going to make some interesting statements. He is going to say that this is a remarkably rare case of what is known as faux les deux. I probably pronounced that really wrong, but I tried really hard. It's also known as dual psychosis. Sabrina who has been diagnosed with depression and borderline personality disorder, has affected Weesom with the same delusions that she had. So if someone, what it is, is this phenomena when someone is mentally ill, but someone is gravitated towards them or spending time with them, the delusions can be passed on to the other person, and that person becomes tempor- has the symptoms of that other person. Temporarily, temporarily. yeah. Okay. And the man, who is hopelessly in love with her, wanting to earn her trust, love, and confidences basically his whole life, will do anything to keep his position as her partner. So he joins her in her favorite plan to take down Walton. Not saying that Weesom is innocent, but that is what got the couple to the point where they were able to monstrously torture another human being and murder them. Yeah, I mean, do you know what I mean? I, do I know feel what like yeah. the the couple was building each other up. I do, I do say though. I want to say that I think that their decision to ultimately kill her and also dispose of the body, I feel that that was that conversation took place way before they started torturing her. In my opinion, yeah, just 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 because of the way like the turnaround of events, you know that once you start abusing someone. <laughs> that you're that you hired you don't you, think you have to get yeah, yeah you have to escalate you think that you're gonna let that person walk away and nothing's gonna happen to you no i completely agree yeah. i think that decision that sophie could not remain alive happened at the beginning of the torture phase i also think that this whole thing not only was the letter written in like sabrina's like verbiage but i think it was planned from very early on I even think that photo shoot was very insidious. You think it goes back all the way to the photo shoot? Yeah. I think what Sabrina was trying to do was trying to build up that... Because when she initially told police that Sophie was going out, partying, and drinking, those photos would back it up. Look at this girl before, what she looked like. Now look at her once she's gotten to London. She's completely changed. I think it was part of the plan. You know what? When you say it that way, it's kind of true. And then that, that's when Walton comes into play. Yeah, like, oh, with, she with, could try to seduce yeah. him more. Oh, look at that photo yeah. that she put on her Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even... Now, this is, like, so outrageous that Sabrina was trying to make her irresistible so that maybe she could infiltrate Walton. I don't know. I don't know what her plan was, but it was insidious the is whole time. Is it crazy to think that it could go? It can go back as far as looking for an au pair? Yeah, from France. Because, yeah. From France, because maybe, like, she knew something that no one else did. Like, maybe Sabrina knew that Walton liked French women. Yeah, well, like who knows? Yes, no, I, mean, I we completely. Can, we can completely go and go all the way back to the beginning and say that this from the start was corrupted from I, the start. I also think it's really interesting because that is how Sabrina 
got to London because she was from France. She became an au pair and moved to London. And that's when she met Walton. So it was almost like she was trying to recreate that maybe. Mm, that's a good point too. I, I didn't even think about about it like that, but yeah, I could totally see that. She I, was trying to plant seeds all over the place. Yeah. Walton's crazy, telling the people at the newspaper thing. She she was leaving breadcrumbs everywhere. She thought she was making this perfect yeah. plan. So, on June twenty sixth, two thousand and eighteen, the Old Bailey High Criminal Court is going to find both Sabrina and Weasum guilty of murder and the destruction of a body. Their sentences are the same. They receive a minimum of 30 years for the murder and an additional five and a half years each for the destruction of the girl's body. So they each get 35 and a half years minimum. In court each day of the trial, Sophie's family was there. Her mother and father recall it being very difficult to face the murderers of their daughter, but they said that they were relieved when the verdict was read. They felt as if justice was served. The only way they were able to get through the trial was to channel the bravery they said their daughter had in the last six weeks of her life. Sophie's body now lies to rest in her hometown in France. She had finally made it home. It's really sad, it just is. like it is every time in every episode, when it's An a young person. person. Yeah, innocent young person that still has their whole life to live and have something so terrible happen. It's just a shame. Like, this woman had her whole life to live. You know, she and she definitely seemed like, to me anyway, that she was really there to tend for people and to care for people, just like her father. You know, it's like, there's not a lot of people out there that would sacrifice their own um, life, comfort, life home. And comfort and home and everything to make sure that other people get Children. developed and, and, and taken care of and all those great things. So it's just sad to see that happen. Yeah, it is really sad case but i do like that justice was served they were found and thank god that woman called the fire department that day because they just might have been able to get away with it yeah i know what that neighbor is the unsung hero of this entire investigation yes neighbor is the unsung hero yeah i like it's that. true she totally is. it was a woman right yeah it was a woman she definitely uh I mean, deserves she, a medal for that the smell was bad she was a little nervous about her retaining wall but you know what Good job. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, you don't want your house to catch fire. I mean. Yeah, and they just kept saying that, like, this is, like, this very affluent neighborhood. So it was just the last thing that anyone expected to be going on in the backyard there, right next to the famous Wimbledon courts. Yeah, it's true. So that is episode 45, and we hope you guys really enjoyed it. We will be back in two weeks, next two Sundays from now, to give you episode 46. Again, like always, um, if you really like the podcast, please subscribe if you haven't already done so. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at True Couple. True Crime Couple, not just True Couple. No, we we are are the True Couple. couple. We are the True Couple. We're the True Crime Couple. (laughs) Good job. And if you are feeling generous and you want to donate to us on Patreon, you can get a lot of great episodes that we already have up there, plus the ones to come. You can donate to us at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. And and we also do want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporter, Rebecca, who thought of the episode 44 title. So it was really, really fun. And I think that's something we're going to do with our Patreon supporters from now on is we're going to let everyone pick the title of our next episodes. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I like it is that. really fun. Yeah. Everyone's so, like, they came up with really good episode titles. I wanted to use them all. Yeah, let's let's have that happen. Send us some titles. 
Yes. Well, I w- what I do is I tell them what the case is about, and then they come up with titles. So, like, they can just send us titles, John. No, obviously, but I'm saying... <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Title anyway. three. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what I mean. But anyway, yes, guys, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's a really, really fun idea. So, we will see you again here in two weeks, unless you're donating Patreon, because then you will hear a lot more from us. All right, guys. I'll see you soon. Bye, guys.